Good morning. Welcome this morning to Milestone Church. So glad that you are here. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And uh, as Alex just got done saying, each and every week it's someone's first time. And that's a big deal to us. And if I haven't had an opportunity, my wife Wendy and I haven't had an opportunity to meet you after sir uh, before service. We look forward to meeting you after service. Well, we are moving on in our series called Subject to Change. And we've been looking at what does it look like as we navigate change in our life. It's something that we all experience, something that we all go through. We've been looking at the people of Israel and the Exodus. And we've been looking at this story as Moses is leading the people of Israel from captivity to the promised land. And all that God is wanting to do in and through them through this journey. And, and the reason we're looking at this, because even as you read in the New Testament, it shows us that we should learn from their example. We should learn from the things that they experienced. We should learn from what God was doing, because here's what we realize is that when change comes, it comes about sometimes because it's an answer to prayer. God, work, move, do something in our lives, but that change looks different than we thought. And it causes us to recognize things in our life that God is wanting us to grow in and work on because God always brings change because he's wanting to do change inside of us. He's wanting to bring about change in us. And as you look at the people of Israel, here's what we have to recognize and realize is this. Is that when we look at this and we recognize these things, we recognize it from the standpoint of seeing that as we've journeyed over the last few weeks, and you can go back and listen to the messages, is that there's a little bit of us in the story that we read. We recognize God's wanting to teach us. He's wanting to show us. He's wanting us to grow, wanting us to change, wanting us to see these things and recognize them. And so when there's little changes in life, there's times where you just make a little adjustment and you seem to make your way through. But sometimes there's large change that we go through. There's not a week that goes by. I think, of, I think in our area and in this context, how many people I meet that have made a significant change in their life when they've moved states and when they've come here and they're saying, hey, I'm starting over wherever they may have come from. And so what begins to happen is when, when change happens, we, we are hoping for, how many ever remember multiple choice questions? Like multiple choice was great, but I never liked it when there was like A, B, C, D, and F. I was like, there's too many options. There's too many options for me to get this wrong. How about a true or false? I got a 50-50 chance. And when change happens, sometimes we think, well, maybe there's lots of options out there. Maybe there's some ways that I can navigate and handle this. The reality is there's really only two options when change comes. And we're going to look at a significant part of this story. We've been working towards this moment. You're thinking we're finally going to see what begins to happen as they are on the cusp of entering into the promised land. And we're going to recognize there's really only two options in the middle of what's about to happen for the people of Israel. It's either A or B. There's not all these different options and all these different ways to figure it out. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a moment where there's challenge and change coming and you're going, how do I figure this out? How do I navigate this? You're just looking for a little bit of help. You know what I'm talking about? I, I know at this point, you know, Wendy and I, we started having children uh, a little later within our marriage. I'm 43. She's 44. Our oldest is 11. And my youngest is 7. And so we, a lot of people that have couples that have kids our age, 
they, they tend to be a lot younger than us, so they're still having kids. And so we have some friends, they've got babies, they have babies on the way, they've got young ones. And I don't know about you, but you want to talk about wanting a way out. How many remember the days when you just had a kid that just wouldn't go to sleep? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are in the middle of it. I remember when we had all those little ones. I mean, it was about two years between each of them. And it's like you get one down and they're sleeping and then the next one comes along. And you're like, it's like there's phases. I promise you there's hope. It's like when they sleep, when they're potty trained, when they go to school. You know, there's these moments. But, but here's what's crazy. We're all looking for comfort. So, so some of these individuals that are starting to have kiddos and they have young ones, I can remember they're, they're like, you know, hey, what did y'all do? Like, we're real old, man. I'm like, what did y'all do when you, and it, technology has changed. What did you do when kids didn't sleep? I mean, I remember when I was little, it was like my mom and dad just threw us in the car. I'd throw little ones in the car. We'd drive around, play music. That was when they had CDs. Okay, now you got playlists, okay? All right, that just shows, you know, how technology progresses. My younger brother, he's got a little one. That little one's about five now. But they have this thing. I, I don't, have you seen it? It's, a, it's called a shusher. A shusher. I'm like, what? It literally just, shh. Like, that's what it's like, shh. I like, is it talking to me or is it talking to the child? Do I need to be quiet? What's happening? And, 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 and so you start talking and you, and you see these things and there's this now Here's what they've got. I, I, I'm blown away. You can go to YouTube. Have you seen this? You can go to YouTube. They, they've got white noise. Just I mean, sleep with a fan or white noise. I'm like, I don't have any, but I just go to sleep. I just lay, put a head on the pillow. I say, I'm out. You know, no noise. Don't. In fact, if you have noise, you're going to keep me up. Be quiet, you know. But this is like supposed to simulate like noise in the womb or something. I don't, I don't know. How do they know it? I guess ultrasound. But it's like. Literally, 10 hours of white noise. I'm like, who was the person that recorded that? You know what I mean? Here's what's crazy. I'm just going to show you. We are all looking. And if you got little ones, you probably are going, I'm, what's that? Well, I'm, I, need to, I need to search that on YouTube. 124 million views. You want to know what that tells me? There's a lot of folk out there just wanting their kids to go to sleep. You know what I mean? There's just, after today, it may be 125 million. Who knows what, what happens, Okay. And I don't know what this actually, I don't know if it, maybe, I, apparently it works, 124 million people viewing this. But, but here's the thing, you're saying, all right, what's the point, Pastor Chris? Are, are we all supposed to listen to white noise and sleep really good? No, the point is this, we all come to a moment where we're doing anything and everything we can to just find some help to navigate the change that we're in. We all come to that moment and we go, what do I do? How do I navigate this? I wish I could just get out of here. I wish I could just run the opposite direction. Can I hit the eject button and get out? And so we come to this moment where we're trying to find out what is it that we look at. And what I want us to recognize is when we step into big moments. We're not talking about little moments. We're talking about big moments in our life, big change, big transition, big moves, financial moves, change in job, addition of a child, uh, children moving on and moving out, whatever it may be, big moves in our life, the greatest thing you need is faith. Now, when you hear the word faith, some of us, we think of like a religious belief. I'm not talking about a religious experience. I'm talking about something more than that. I'm talking about that when we're in the middle of change, we begin to recognize where most people lack. 
Because this that we're talking about today, what we begin to realize is the faith that we need to navigate change, it doesn't start when we're in the middle of change. you got to dig down deep, and it's got to be there. You've got to plant and water and develop what that looks like. Because here's what we have to recognize is we can't make it to the other side of what God has for us. We can't make it to the other side of change without faith. We need faith. Not just simply faith when it comes to a religious belief, but faith when it comes to something that we actually stand on and we recognize and understand what it looks like, that we see what it is that God is doing and that we recognize that he's working and moving in our life. You see, here's what I'm hoping for today. I'm going to pray for you at the end of service, and my prayer for you is we, we've looked at the story, of Israel, the, the story of the Israelites and seen this journey. And so there's been some, some information and context that we're able to aggregate and perhaps apply. But today my prayer is there's an impartation, really an impartation of faith that we begin to learn and recognize from a very key individual within this story. You see, my prayer is this, is that you don't just simply walk away with a greater understanding of faith, but that you actually develop something in you that results in you living a life of faith that results into action. The action in how you live, action in how you pray, action in what you're believing for God to do, that begins to shift and change the way you see things happen. Now, when you look at faith, I want to read, we're going to look, I want you to open up your Bibles to Numbers Chapter 13, but on the way there, I'm going to stop off in Hebrews 11. I want to read this to you. Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you are big in highlighting or, or circling or writing in your Bible, highlight that word conviction. Conviction. We're going to talk about what is conviction? What does that mean? What does that look like? Verse 2, for By it, the men of old gained approval. Verse 3, by faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Now, just a side note here. A lot of times people say, so Pastor Chris, I'm supposed to have blind faith? Like I'm just supposed to like, no, no, no. We have something great right here. It says what? It says that we have the word of God. We don't have blind faith. We have the greatest gift next to Jesus that he gave us, a tangible, his word right here that we can look at. So it's not just simply going, I got blind faith and I'm just trusting and hoping. It's just a roll of the dice. I was pretty good at that when I was younger. Maybe this will work out. Okay. No, that's not what we're talking about. We have God's word. Verse 6, it says this, because without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is the rewarder of those who seek him. You see, here's why faith is so important. Because we're going to hit those moments where we're going to have to dig down deep. We're going to have to recognize and realize we're in the middle of change and transition. A situation has come up and you're going to recognize how much faith you actually have. That's the drastic part of what we're talking about. And sometimes that's also the reality of what we're talking about. Where is my level of faith? You see, in moments of drastic change, you will settle to the level of your conviction. Let me say it again. When there are moments of drastic change, you will settle to the level of your conviction. What are your convictions? We, we settle to the depth of our conviction. Why? Because your faith determines your convictions. Convictions. 
And your faith and convictions determines what and how you will build. I I don't know if you've ever built anything, but it gets real exciting when they start moving dirt. But that's only the beginning. Because how many of you know if you've ever built something, it takes longer and costs more than you thought it was going to be? And what happens is typically, depending on where you're building, again, we lived in southeast Louisiana for 13 years. And in southeast Louisiana, things are either at sea level or below sea level, depending on where you live. And so when they come in and they begin to move dirt, they start testing the soil. Why? Because they're saying, is this soil strong enough to sustain what we're going to build on it? You see, tough times are going to come. We did a series Prior to March of 2020, the Lord knew what was going on and what was going to happen. It was a series called Built to Last. What are you building on? Wendy just talked about the foundation. What are we building on? Because there will come challenges that will press in. How do you stay the course? You have convictions. You have convictions. Because when challenges come and you're pressed on, you will settle to the level of your convictions. You, you will determine. You don't just determine in the middle of it because if you do whatever the level of your conviction is, that's what you'll settle for. But when you begin to recognize and build, you begin to realize God has something greater in store for me. And what happens is you say, hey, all this stuff is going on around me. People may come to you and go, how are you so like confident? And you just move forward and you're just steady and keep moving. Because it's already been settled. All this external stuff has no bearing on the convictions of how I'm building. God said it. We're doing it. Now let's keep moving forward. Does that mean it's easy? No. Does that mean you may get a little more opposition? You may be viewed a little differently? Yeah, sure. But you've already determined, here's what God said and here's how I'm going to live. And so that's what's happening right here in this story. We've been sharing with you, I've shared with you, if you're, if you're just joining us, I'm going to show a map that we've been looking at every single week. It's this journey that the people of Israel are taking. They're leaving from Egypt, headed to the promised land. 11 days turns into 40 years. I've been talking about 2.5 million people. Comes down to two people of the original 2.5 that actually entered the promised land. How did they get here? Well, here, we finally, you've been wondering, five weeks in, are we going to make it? We made it. Trust me, the people of Israel were thinking that too. Are we going to get there? 40 years later, they're wandering. We're getting there. Here they are. They're on the cusp of going into the promised land. They're about to step in. Okay? And now something significant happens, and this is the moment. This is the moment where we see what was it that caused it to go from 2.5 million to two people? What was the determining factor? How did it shift Where did we go? They're about to walk into the promised land. Moses says, look, I'm going to send 12 spies into the land. I want you to scope it out. I want you to check things out. I want you to bring back some fruit and let us know what's going on, what's happening there in the promised land. Let us know how things are happening. You see, here's where the people of Israel, this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is where things begin to separate. So we're going to look here at Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Here's what happens. It says, they gave Moses this account. So they've gone into the promised land. Now, here are these 12 spies. They've come back. They went and did what Moses asked them to do. They come back, and this is what happens. They give this account, and they said, we went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey, and here's its fruit. Side note, it is what God said it was. 
God said, this is what it's going to look like. And sure enough, lo and behold, God did what he said he was going to do. God wasn't lying, and it is exactly what he said. Verse 28, but. Always seems to be a big old but when there's an opportunity to step in what God has for you. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. You see, right when you're about to step into what God has for you, can I tell you something? There's always an opportunity. But, but this will take a little more work than I thought. But this will cause me to sacrifice here. But, you know what? They don't really understand. You don't know my situation. You know how many people I talk to when I'm like, what did God tell you? Well, I'm just, but, but my situation's different. Pastor Chris, you don't recognize. It's, I, I'm a, I see. I'm, no, 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 no. We always have an opportunity to dumb down and minimize what God is actually asking of us to do. Now, watch what happens, though. Because there was someone else that was there who begins to speak up, and his name is Caleb. And I love what Caleb does here in verse 30. It says that Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. You see, that's what faith sounds like. Now, here's what I want us to get. I don't know if you recognize this. Did Caleb say anything that the ten other spies said? Did he say any of that wasn't true? No. He didn't minimize it. He didn't say all of that stuff wasn't true. It very well was true. It was appropriate and accurate. But he said, you know what? Nevertheless, we're going to do what God called us to do. You know, sometimes people say, well, people of faith, they just deny reality. No, Caleb didn't deny reality. He just said, you know what? I'm not going to deny reality, but what God's word is and what he told us to do is far greater than the circumstances I see. And I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live on what God told me. I'm not going to worry about all all these external things. It may be hard. It may be challenging. It very well is true. But I'm still going to do what God told me to do. I'm still going to walk In the way God asked me to walk. Why? Because certainly he will do it. Verse 31. But the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devour those living in it. And all the people we saw there are great in size. We saw the Nephilim there. And we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. You see, a bad report will spread a lot quicker than a faith report. It's amazing how bad report, bad report, bad report. And isn't it amazing how, again, those were factual things. Isn't it amazing how all of a sudden you'll get a bad report and here's what the enemy does. He will come and creep in and he will bring a distortion of the truth to amplify what was actually there. That's what begins to happen. That's what happens. Think about it. You got a bad report from a doctor. And all of a sudden, WebMD, boom, you're like, hey, what's going on? I'm dead in two weeks. Why? Because you started looking at all these other things, and all of a sudden, what was a legitimate report? Caleb didn't deny it. 
all of a sudden now there's this extreme. That's what the enemy does. He comes in and that bad report, and it spreads. It spreads that negativity, that bad report, that unbelief, and it begins to taint and it overwhelms. And what happens is all of a sudden you don't see yourself correctly. What did it say? It said, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. In our own eyes. That's how we saw ourselves because of the circumstances that we see. You see, the enemy will always try and pollute with a bad report. The Nephilim, yeah, were there those that were perhaps taller than most and they seemed like giants? Yeah. But it didn't mean that God still hadn't called them to walk in to the promised land. You see, because here's what begins to happen as you continue to read along in the next chapter, chapter 14, verse 1. Watch what happens because of this bad report. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. They hadn't been there. They hadn't seen it. All they heard was a bad report. And what happens? Everyone else is now, oh, it's over. We can't do it. There's giants there. The land will devour us. Where did that come from? Bad report. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you scrolling? Bad report, bad report. And what does it do? The land's going to devour us. It's over. It's not going to happen. It won't work. But watch what begins to happen. You see, they complain. They worry. They say, God, we're not going to do what you asked us to do. It really is what you said. It flows with milk and honey. But we're not going in. We're not going to. We're like grasshoppers. They're going to devour us. And God says, okay, that's it. There's unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from the promise God has for you. And this was the moment right here. Where it changed, boom, it went from 2.5 to 2 right here. And watch, though, what God does. He's communicating here in verse 24. Watch what he says. He says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he that he went to and his descendants will inherit it. You see, he was different. He had a different spirit. What was that spirit? He lived by faith. He lived by faith. I can remember moments in my own life going to God's word. It's like there were moments. I remember when God called us from Austin, Texas to Lafayette, Louisiana. We didn't know. What are we going to do? What's it going to look like? How are we going to do this? But you know what we did? We stood on God's word and what he said. And it was by faith that we trusted in him, not in our circumstances. God calls us back. Having built in Louisiana for 13 years, God calls us back to Texas. We're like, man, Lord, I feel like we're starting over. What are you doing? But we're trusting you. And so by faith, we stood upon God's word. And we said, I only got one. I only got two options, A or B. It was an A or B decision to move from Austin to Lafayette. It was either fear or faith. It was an A or B decision to move from Lafayette back to Texas. Fear or faith. Well, then we're at our Keller campus, and we're building and all these, and God starts working and moving. And he's saying, I want to move you 45 minutes to an hour east of here to our McKinney campus. I'm like, oh, Lord, I got two options, A or B, fear or faith. That's it. But all I know is I want to be like Caleb. I want a different spirit. Does it mean I wasn't fearful? Does it mean I didn't have insecurities? Did it mean I had all the details figured out? Absolutely not. But I said, I'm going to live by faith because I want to step into the promise that God has for me. And you can too. You can too. That's what God has for us. You see, I want you to recognize in this story, there's something far larger that's happening than just walking into the promised land. You see, because faith 
faith begins first and foremost when you understand that faith is saving faith. It's by grace you are saved. Look at the journey that the people of Israel are in. They started in bondage in Egypt. God leads them out. He says, I'm going to bring freedom. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring wholeness. They go into the wilderness, but in the wilderness, because they don't see how God's working and moving, they complain, and that complaining results in wandering. But God still doesn't let up. He says, I have a promise for you. And what happens is he leads the people still into the promised land. Now, it went from 2.5 to 2, but there were still those who went into the promised land. But what is the promised land? Make no mistake. The faith that we need, the salvation faith that we need, it first begins with Jesus. God's not wanting to lead you simply into a place of prosperity. He's wanting to lead you into a place of purpose, and that purpose comes when you have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what begins to happen is it transforms the way we see every single thing. And what happens is when that faith is built upon Jesus, then everything else is built upon that. That is the rock. He is the rock. It's Jesus. So we understand and recognize that faith begins first in Jesus, the salvation work of Jesus. Paul writes Ephesians 2, chapter 8, verse 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no man can boast. So there's a faith that God longs for you to operate in. But here's the tension we live in. The temptation to operate in unbelief. And there's a difference between unbelief and faith. There's a difference. And you may go, okay, Pastor Chris, well, it's obvious. Well, let me, let me help you because here's a little contrast of what unbelief and faith can sound like. Here's what unbelief can sound like. I'm just trying to be honest. I, I simply deal in the facts. Just like some of the people of Israel, the ten spies that went in. And like, here's all the facts. Line it up. There's giants there. Yeah, there's milk and honey. But man, that land, it's going to devour us. Well, that, that can lead to unbelief. It, it, it's just my personality. It's kind of how I flow. I like to have everything in order. But if you're not careful, it can lead to unbelief. You may say, well, that may be your experience, but it's not mine. You, you've tried it, and you're like, man, I, I, what I experienced wasn't what someone else experienced, so that doesn't really work for me. But if you're not careful, it leads to unbelief. You may say, well, I agree with biblical principle, but my situation is unique. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean it's different. I mean, financially, we're, we're, we're living together. I know what God's Word says. We're not married, and we're living together. And I know what His Word says. But, you know, our situation's unique. It financially makes more sense. That's unbelief. You call it what you want. Well, you know, I believe in God blessing, and, and, and I know that he wants, and I know what the Bible says about the tithe, but it's Old Testament, and I know, Pastor, you're talking, okay, it could be money. Well, it's unbelief. Well, well, when it comes to surrender and truly giving my life to you, Jesus, here, I know what your word says, but, you know, I'm kind we all will talk ourselves into thinking our situation is unique. But at the end of the day, it's unbelief. You may feel like, well, uh, if God wanted me to have this, then, then he'd give it to me. You, you can become hyper-religious and just think, well, it's just going to happen. If God wanted to, to bless me, it'll, just, it'll work out. You may think, well, if, 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 I think God's disappointed in me. I think he's punishing me for what I did. 
You may have a, a situation where there's a painful interaction you've had with a parent, a father, maybe an authority figure in your life. So unbelief leads to all these things. This is what it can sound like. This is unbelief in our life, but we can live by faith. Here's what faith sounds like. I trust God's word more than I trust my circumstances. Can I tell you something? I'll, I'll talk to people all the time, man, how are you doing? Do you, do you get in this word? Do you read it? You know, well, no, but I get a scripture in my email. Every, well, get, well, then you better stand upon that word. Just get a word. Get a word and stand on it. Confess it. Stand upon God's truth and his word and his purpose for your life. You go, hey, here's what my circumstance looked like, but you know what? I'm trusting in God's word. I'm trusting in what he says. Faith says, I, I don't know why this happened, but I know God's with me says, I'm not going to let how I feel determine who God is. I don't know about you, but I can have any range of feeling and emotion on any given day or during any particular football game, particularly when my Longhorns are playing. But I'm not going to be led by feeling. I'm not not going to let those feelings determine who I know God to be. Why? Because he's a good father, and he's never bothered when I ask him, for help or believe and stand upon his promises. And even if God doesn't do what I ask, I'm not going to stop trusting him. I'm going to stand upon his word. I'm not going to live with unbelief. I'm going to live by faith because I know who God is and who he says he is. I think most people would say, well, I want to be a part of the two. Can I be like Caleb and Joshua? Can, can I do that? The, no, I don't think many are going, I want to be like the 2.5 that live by uh, unbelief and don't make it into the promised land. And you may go, Pastor Chris, why? I mean, that seems a little brutal. 2.5 down to 2. Can I tell you something? Narrow is the gate of those who trust in the Lord. Narrow is the gate of those who live by faith. But wide is the gate and wide is the road of those who go, nah, unbelief. I don't know. My circumstance is different. I, do I really? I don't. Can I? No, 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 no. It's faith that he's calling us to. So so what does that look like? How do we live like that? How do we have a different spirit and a spirit of faith? Over the next few minutes, I want to give you three things, just really simple, that I think will help you begin to develop or continue to walk in a life filled with faith. And then I want to pray for you. Because we can live this way. You can live like Caleb lived. You can have a different spirit about you. You can serve him wholeheartedly, and it can play out in the way that you process, engage, and engage with circumstances and situations. Here's the first thing. And it's a little, I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it may be a little much for you, but good. Because this, this word, when you start reading it, God starts putting his fingers on stuff, and it's a little much. But here's the thing. If you're going to live with a different spirit, you're going to live by faith then here's what you're going to do. If God says it, we believe it, and we're crazy enough to do it. If God's, God said it right here, I believe it, and I'm crazy enough to do it. Look at what Caleb did. Numbers 13, verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. What if we live that way? You may go, well, Pastor Chris, that's part of his personality. I'm just not that way, you know. I, I'm an introvert. And, and, and so I'm just kind of, I'm going to be slow about it. Or you may go, I'm an extrovert. And so you're kind of like, that's your excuse to be obnoxious. I'm an introvert. That's your excuse to delay in obedience. Or well, I'm an Enneagram 8. And you think that's your excuse to just kind of do whatever. I mean, I don't you 1, 8, 10, 12, I don't know if 12 is even a number, whatever it is. But here's what I do know. It's amazing how we'll take all these personality profiles to justify how we process information and then in turn how we operate. 
can I tell you something? There's no personality test in here. It's just simply God's word. And the question is, are you going to listen to it, believe it, and do it? That has nothing to do with personality. That has a, can I tell you, you may look at my personality and go, well, Pastor Chris, I mean, your personality, you must be this, that, maybe you're a 15 on the Enneagram, maybe you're an 8 wing 8, maybe you're a whatever, I don't know, I don't know if you're an introvert, extrovert, I don't know who or what you are, but it seems like it must be easy for you, it ain't easy because it ain't based on personality, it's based on going, God, I'm gonna, I want to live with a different spirit. Because my, my personality, if I'm just being transparent and honest, I want to control the situation. I'm not super analytical, but I like the data. I wouldn't say that I'm risk averse. I probably actually dive into things probably a little faster than I should. But that's not necessarily because that's a good thing. It's because I want to be in control. Can I tell you at the basis of what control is? Fear. My propensity is I want control because I'm afraid. That's what it is. I'm afraid. And so I got to go, whoa, whoa, hold on. This ain't about my, I'm going to trust you, God. If this is what you said, I'm going to do it. What would happen if you applied this to your life? Applied this to your marriage? Applied this to your finances? Applied this to your, God, this is what your word says. Imagine, God, this is what your word says about my marriage and how I should honor my wife. And how I should love her as you love the church. What would happen? How would that change? Or I'm going to respect my husband, even though at times he's not real respectable. Doesn't say respect him if he's respectable. It says respect him. Doesn't say love her if she's lovable. Love her. What, what would it look like if I took this word and, and I get it? Young people, honor your mother and father. For it'll be well with you. Well, what does that look like to honor? Well, you know, I mean, you just don't know my parents, Pastor Chris. I mean, they on me. Like they're trying to control me. Like they have my stuff. Like, I mean, get out my room. Are you can honor? Mom and dad, what if you didn't provoke your children? Where did I, I didn't make all that up. Those aren't good, catchy phrases. Can I tell you what that is? The word of God. What would happen if I took this, believed it, and actually applied it? What could happen? You want to know what I'd do? I'd build faith. I'd build faith. Because when I begin to build faith, what happens is that's how you begin. It's like working out. You develop muscles and strength by actually using them. Your faith is the same way. Because when that begins to happen, here's the second thing. As you begin to see yourselves the way God sees you. Numbers 13, 33. We're going back to chapter 13. It says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. You see, if you look at yourself through the lens of fear, you'll see yourself as a grasshopper. What does God say about you? I tell people all the time when they're wrestling with this, this is probably one of my favorite things to tell people when they're in the middle of this season. I say, I want you to stop, and every day I just want you to say, God, who do you say I am and what do you say about me? And just be real quiet and listen. What does he say about you? Who does he say you are? Who does he say he's designed you to be? Can I tell you, the fear is still present. The insecurities are still present when you walk into that new season and you're transitioning and you're in change and you're in challenge. It's there. I'm not saying don't have that. You're not going to have that. You won't experience that. What I'm saying is in the middle of that, you can say, no, no, no. I'm not going to operate out of my own strength, my own ability. 
I'm going to stand upon who God says I am, and I'm going to stand upon his word. I'm going to stand and operate in his strength and him working in and through me. And because when I do that, I begin to step into seasons where I'm still afraid, but I trust God. I was afraid when we moved to Louisiana. I was afraid when we moved back to Texas. I was afraid when we moved out to McKinney. Those folks going to like me? I don't know. They may think, I don't know. What about this little I'm human. Fear, insecurity, worry. How's it going to work out? I've already shared with you. I'm, I got control issues. Jesus, help me. I want to be in control. All of it's fear. I think about even when I, when when our our oldest, who was our, our firstborn, young, and she would choke. I've shared the story with you before. She'd start choking. I'd full on go and freak out. I mean, I'm I'm pretty calm. Like if you like severed a limb right now, I'd probably be okay. I know we got some safety team EMT here. They'd know what to do. But I'm like, all right, come on. Let's. How do we assess the situation? But my child's choking. I'll freak out, man. I'm flinging chairs, doing everything I can. I'm slinging her upside down, you know, hitting her, doing total Heimlich maneuver. I don't care, even if I knew how to do it. I'm not doing it. I'm whatever it takes. And I remember Wendy telling me, you're a little much. You got to dial it back. What's going on? And I, she's like, you need to talk to Jesus about it. And I did. And you know what the Lord told me? I was afraid. I had control issues. I was afraid that something was going to happen that I couldn't fix. And how would I feel about that? But when you know who God says you are and you recognize you're going to be in the middle of those moments that seem a little overwhelming. It may not be a child choking. But you're going to go, in the middle of this change and transition, I know who God is and I know who he says I am. And I love it because Wendy talks to our girls as, we're, as they're navigating seasons and change in their own life. It's small now. Going into middle school, going from second to third grade, going from first grade to second grade. But you know what we talk to them about? And I love what Wendy, I remember the first time I heard her say this, she said, baby, look, Jesus is with you and you can do it and you're going to do it scared. There's some of us in here, you need to step out in faith and do it scared. He's with you. He's for you. Who does he say you are? Because when that begins to happen, here's the third thing. If we're going to develop this spirit of faith, we have to recognize that we need to amplify the voices of faith and turn off fear and unbelief. Now, let me make one thing clear. Unbelief and wrestling with unbelief is not a sin and not a problem. It's what you do when you embrace it. It's what you do when you allow that to be the stream you're drinking from. That's what happened to the people of Israel. Numbers 14.1, I read it to you earlier. I'm going to put it back on the screen. That night, all the members of the community raised their voice and wept aloud. They had not seen nor heard anything that was in the promised land. All they heard was a bad report, and all of a sudden, the wheels fell off. Can I tell you, fear is rampant in our culture, and it ain't going to get any easier. You all know why? Because we have this little device that is a gift when it comes to technology and accessibility. But because of that device, we have access to things that just creep in and overwhelm us in a way that we don't even realize. It's only going to get harder. But can I tell you something? You can turn it off. You can turn it off. You can stop being around those people of negativity and unbelief that keep dragging you down. You can turn it off. You have family members, people in your life, people that you love, that it seems like everything is, the sky is falling, and it's unbelief. And you need to go, hey, I love you. Turn it off. I can live by faith, and I'm going to amplify what God's word says, because when we do that, what happens? What happens is what happens in verse 24, where God says, 
But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I'll bring him into the land he went to. And his descendants will inherit it. We live in a culture, think about it. My mom, Wendy and I weren't so much, but my mom definitely. Can I tell you, before COVID-19, she was a hand sanitizer, just freak. Okay, I mean, everything. You ask my kids. We get in the store. We, uh, we went out in public. She like, come here, girl. I mean, hand sanitizer. And, and I love her. I don't even, I mean, I'm sure it works just as good, but it was always like Bath and Body Works hand sanitizer. So no offense to anyone in here who works at Bath and Body Works or you have significant stock in them. It smells terrible. Like, it's just terrible. Like, I don't, like, what, why? Why do I need hand sanitizer? It smells like orange blossom. But think about it. When COVID-19 hit, you may not have been a hand sanitizer person, but we all became very aware of it, didn't we? Why? Because, yeah, there, there, is a, there is a disease out there that legitimately can kill you. So we became very aware. I mean, I, I'm, I, mean, I shake most of y'all's hands, if not a lot of y'all, on any given Sunday. You know, it's like, if you got it, I'm bound to, you're like, I too. Hey, Pastor Chris, good to see you. God bless you. I'm like, thank you. So you're aware of it. What if you became that aware and that focused of how contagious unbelief is and how you can spread that? Because can I tell you, spiritually, that unbelief and that lack of faith can be far more deadly and costly spiritually to who you are. We don't have to live that way. You can live with a faith like Caleb had. You can understand and recognize first and foremost their salvation faith that I have in Jesus that's, that's on that. But here's the second thing is you can begin to go to God's word and build that foundation and look to his word. Not because you're denying reality, but because you're saying God's word and truth is greater than my circumstance. In fact, on your way in, you should have gotten a living word book, a little booklet. We made that for you because we want you to have God's word accessible to you. We want you to go to God's word and begin to stand on it. If you didn't get one on the way out, the ushers will have them. We'll give them to you. If you're like digital type of person, QR code, you can pull your phone out, zoom into that little QR code, download it. We, whatever we got to do to get it to you. Why? Because we want you to build on God's word. We want you to stand upon his promises. We want you to begin to walk in faith and live a life like Caleb lived. Because you have a different spirit and you live wholeheartedly for him.